Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I am Brie, and I um, am just fangirling so much because one of my all-time faves is here. Author Jill Shalvis is back, you all. Jill, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Tell me how 2022 went for you. And um, like we were already talking about earlier before hitting record, you've got a lot of snow so far in 2023. So tell me. We were laughing because first of all, thank you for having me back. I love talking to you. And second of all, a lot does not cover the amount of snow we had. There isn't a word to cover the snow we've had this year in Tahoe. We've had nine feet in the last two weeks alone without including any of the previous months. So it's been an adventure. It's been interesting. And so I've been unable to go outside. So I will say this, the book got written a lot faster than I thought it would. That, okay. I'm, I'm, that I'm currently writing. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really have nothing else to do. I mean, you can't, what can you can't do? go far. <laughs> no, it's a good thing I have a big house because otherwise I'd be tearing my hair out. But you know, who am I kidding? I live with a two and a three-year-old. I'm tearing my hair out a lot anyway. Yes. <laughs> but they're adorable. The adventures, the adventures <laughs> of your life are just, I, I like I told you, I feel like I live vicariously through your adventures. You have grandbabies, you have a lot of snow. I mean, you have bears, like you never bears. know. <laughs> you never know. We actually had a porcupine not too long ago show oh up. And gosh. the only reason we knew we had a porcupine was because the dog put her nose where it doesn't belong and got some mm, quills in her Yeah, nose. yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, hello. You were misbehaving, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, congratulations on the release of The Backup Plan, book three in your Sunrise Cove series. Oh, my gosh, this book. How does it feel for you, for Alex and Knox's romance to be out? I was so looking forward to this book coming out because for one thing, I think it's a little different for me and I can't even explain why this book feels different. There's still, you know, fun, sexy romance. There's still the humor. There's still this sense of community and small town and family and lots of drama, but it just felt different from the moment I finished it. And as a writer, no one, you don't, no one sees your product until until a year after you've written it. So all this time I've been wondering, will people like it? Is it too different? I have no idea. So I'm thrilled that people seem to be loving it. Thank God. Yes. I like this job. I'd like to keep this job. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it was like, the whole Eleanor aspect that felt different for you? I think so too. And anytime you start out a book with an inheritance situation, you think it's going to be downtrodden or sad. And I didn't want that. So I tried to make it as funny and as warm hearted as I could. But the fact is, is that these three people think these three strangers each inherit a portion of this falling off its axis wild old wild west in and then they get there and they realize okay we're not strangers but they all have secrets so i really had fun with that yeah yeah i mean it's okay would that be your elevator pitch for the book my elevator pitch would be i think you know three strangers inherit this in they think they're strangers turns out they're not strangers at all and they all have reasons to be um hiding them their true selves from each other yeah okay that's perfect (laughs) that's all i got Well, okay, when we first meet Alice, so she's driving back to Sunrise Cove and has been blasting 1980s rock to avoid thinking too much. Just classic scene, especially once you get to know Alice. I kept going back to that first scene. For for an Alice mood board, tell us three song titles she would have on her playlist. Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so I I think any 
any person who grew up in the 80s, that's all that they know is 80s rock. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a playlist. I guess I should publish, uh, post that, shouldn't I? You should. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't. Yeah. Uh, and I, okay, like she's driving in, she's driving in Stella, which we have to talk about Stella later, but. <laughs> oh, okay. So first songs, first the songs, and then we'll talk about the car. I mean, okay. definitely Guns N' Roses, um, mm -hmm. Van Halen, the Rolling Stones, um, U2. I know that's kind of iffy, but I personally loved U2, Bon, bon Jovi, Whitesnake, any big hair band. Yeah. She's blasting. Yeah. Foreigner, <laughs> Toto, all of them. <laughs> And the car kind of goes along with that because she's she's kind of um, a classic car aficionado. She was actually a mechanic. So, you know, she's kind of rough around the edges like Rock was in the 80s, like her car Stella is. And, yeah, uh, listener, she's a 1972 Chevy Blazer. And she is like <laughs> such a character in the book. <laughs> she's such a character. She is. And, you know, we have one. My husband is in love with this car. Maybe he loves that car more than the people that live with him. So she, so Stella lives here and Stella has been just a part of my life for years and years. Well, since 1972. Anyways, she was so real for me. So I was hoping people would think of her as a character. Yeah, she totally felt like a character, especially because you start the book with Alice in Stella driving to Sunrise Cove. And then there's a really important scene at the end of the book where she's in Stella yet again, trying to escape Sunrise Cove. <laughs> and Stella's like, uh, no, ma'am, you don't really want to leave. You won't <laughs> leave. Stop. I won't let you. <laughs> right? I won't let you back up. I won't right. let you fill the car up with gas. I won't let you do anything. Yeah. <laughs> When I was yeah. outlining this book, that was, I wanted to come full circle. And so that was fun for me. Okay. I was wondering, I was like, did, were you aware, like kind of starting and ending almost in the same, in the same place? Cause it felt brilliant. I was like, did she oh, plan this or did it just come naturally as you were writing? I, I did plan it, but that does not mean I'm brilliant. It was just a lucky thing that really just worked out because sometimes it's not as meaningful as it should be. But mm -hmm. in this case, it really did work out. I always plan my books ahead of time. I almost always know how they're going to end. And so I knew the beginning and the end and the very middle. And then getting to these other, all the other turning points was kind of a surprise because I did not see Knox coming. I mean, I outlined this book and I thought I was telling, going to tell a story of, of Alice and Lauren finding their friendship and their way back to each other. And they were getting each other a love story, whatever. But then Knox kind of like walked out that front door in that first chapter and he just never went away. He was such yeah. a bigger than life guy for me and for Alice. So it became much more of a love story than I had even intended. So tell us like, what was it that scene with not like what came first? Because it does have a lot going on. So we have Alice and Lauren's rekindled friendship, the romance between Alice and Knox, them reading emails between, you know, one deceased sister to another to renovating the inn. like what came first to you? Uh, I really, really just wanted to do uh, an a old Wild West inn falling okay. off its axis and three people stuck there and unable, like they had, to, in order to keep their inheritance, they had to stay there and fix this place up and open it again. And so that's the first thing that came to me. And then Alice and Lauren came to me and I just, mm -hmm. I love that they have this past that blew them up through, they were both equally at fault that. And so that was a big story for me. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll give them each a romance. It'll be great. But then, but then I just started writing Knox and he just was like, excuse me, ma'am, I'm going to need my whole own story all by myself, please. <laughs> yeah. Because 
I'm badass. So that's what happened. He just kind of, he was an afterthought. He, but then he came to life in such a big way that he, he became as equal a character as Alice. Well, I really love that you included at the beginning of every chapter, either the ground rules and the need list, and they were constantly changing and just such a fun element in the book. So what inspired the choice to include these for the readers? For me, the lists were a way to bring humor into a situation that wasn't always funny. But for instance, the emails that you've referenced with Eleanor, that was so that we could see what had happened in the past without me telling you. So so Eleanor's unsent emails to the sister she hated but couldn't stop yes. emailing um, <laughs> gave us that. So I just opened each chapter with the, you know, I, or as many chapters, I don't know how many chapters, not every single one, but there is a little bit of a snippet of an email of several emails throughout the book. Mm-hmm. That gives a little background to the characters when they were teenagers. And then the the to-do lists were just ways to bring humor into the situation because nobody could follow a list and no one could keep a rule they, without breaking it. So for me, it was funny to have them have to go back up to the wall, cross off the rule they'd broken and put another rule in. Just to, they thought they were keeping each other in check, but really it was bringing them closer. Yeah. Oh, I was like, this is so Jill Shalvis. Like, of course Jill Shalvis would think of putting this in here. Well, I just had so much fun with the list on what you should not do and then having each of them figure out that they couldn't they couldn't not do what they had been told not to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, recently deceased Eleanor is a huge looming presence in the book. And while she had all three characters' best interests at heart, when she stepped in in certain situations, really unbeknownst to them, the best intentions were tough to see at first. Um, Can you talk about writing her character? She is so important. She's never actually on the page. Um, But, you know, she had the emails we were reading between her and her sister, and that was tough. I was like, oh, man, I totally feel for her on this. But she's, she's really like the driving force of the book. So can you talk about writing her? She was an interesting character because like you said, she's never really on the page, but she is the reason that each of these, the three main characters are there. They each did something for her in her past that they didn't even realize was a big deal to her. Like really these three were the only people that were ever kind to her and she never took that for granted. And like you said, she tried to help each of them in her own way, but Eleanor isn't a people person and she's not particularly kind. She just knows what she wants and she's willing to bull over, you know, bulldoze over anybody to get what she wants. And in this case, she's actually trying to do the right thing and and bring these people back together. And that was what I needed. I needed something connecting these three people to this end that they would be willing to stay for. Mm-hmm. And it was her. Oh, it was mm-hmm. her. <laughs> well, you'd mentioned that initially this was going to be a book about Alice and Lauren and their their relationship, their friendship, but then Knox entered the picture. So how did you decide on the romance between him and Alice when he presented himself? Was it like a no-brainer? This is, He's he's going to fall for Alice. He's going to fall for him. Like, how did that come to be? Well, and when they, uh, when Alice was a teenager, she had a crush on him mm-hmm. and she would kind of, you know, stalk him while they were working at the end together. And he really, and as far as she was concerned, he didn't know she existed. So I thought that was a fun place to start. Like what is worse when you're a 14 year old girl, what was the worst thing that could happen is, you know, you have a crush on a guy who doesn't even know you exist. And so I thought that's a perfect place to start. And then they haven't seen each other since then. So she immediately, almost immediately reverts back to that 14 year old feeling of, well, he didn't even know I existed. So I'm certainly going to pretend not to know him. 
And so going into that, that's kind of where they started off on the wrong foot because he couldn't really understand what her attitude was about. But, you know, he was four years older than her at the time. So it wasn't like he was ever going to have a crush on her. But that's not how she looked at it. Yeah. Oh, man. When you have a crush at 14 and they don't it's know painful. you exist, like it is it is the worst. Like I don't we don't even take into the the, the account that like you're 18 and I'm 14 and this, there's right. something wrong with this. It's like, right. Like she didn't understand that even if he had felt something for her, which he didn't, he would never have let her know. So, you know, she was set up for failure from the start. So I really enjoyed like just seeing them try to work through having to work together for one thing, work through some of her past um, anger and resentment. And while doing these, you know, trying to renovate this in and working together and then with Lauren and Lauren. So Alice is kind of feeling like she has no one in the world except for her car. And even her car doesn't always have her back. So (laughs) that was a tough place to start. But I think I hope I started in the right place. You never know. You never know when you're writing a book. I think you did good. You did good. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, a fun quirk of Alice's that you don't really expect. When when the first time that I saw it on the page, I died laughing. It's the cutest thing, but it's not what you expect with Alice. Is she has the secret love of knitting? So where did that come from? <laughs> well, I had to soften her when I wrote the first draft. I was surprised in a lot of ways about how the book had turned out. But one thing was I wasn't sure that Alice was going to be soft enough for people to like her. Sometimes in these books, especially romances, um, people fault a really strong heroine. And Alice is like an island of one and she can be gruff. She can be a lot like Eleanor, which she would really die if she actually was a real person and could hear that out loud. Mm -hmm. That'd be the opposite of what she'd want to hear. But it's true. So I had to find a way to soften her. And so I I was looking for vulnerabilities that I could give her. And I thought, well, what would be the worst thing if someone caught her knitting? I couldn't figure <laughs> out anything else that would make her more embarrassed. So that's that's where that came from. And then there's the scene where she's literally like, like talking herself through how to do it. Like she's sitting on the porch at night. And I'm like, oh, I love this so much. Because <laughs> she's not like perfect at it, but she loves oh, no. it, you know? Yeah, she's really bad at it, actually. <laughs> I mean, there's a scene where Lauren finds her secret stash of the stupid things she's knitted that hope she's hoping never would see the light of day, and yet she can't handle throwing them away. And then when when Lauren pulls this thing out, you know, and and confronts Alice with it, I think that was one of the first turning points where we could see them working their way back to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about writing them too, because initially, I mean, the book was about them. And you do this so well, where like we, you fall in love with the romance between Alice and Knox, but you also, you love all three of them. And you're especially rooting for Lauren and and Alice to fix their stuff. But I mean, they have some really deep rooted misunderstandings and just they could have handled situations better. So was that all, all of their backstory, was that set in stone when you initially began writing or or what? What I knew was set in stone was that Lauren had been in a relationship with Alice's brother. Okay. And um, that was what I thought was going to connect them all. And then it turned out, no, it was going to be Eleanor that connected them all. I left that element in because I didn't want it to be just a simple misunderstanding that could be fixed with one conversation. Like this is some deep rooted hurt that happened in the past, things that they said to each other that you can't just take back and say, oh, I'm sorry. Like you really have to work through these issues. So that that's what was important to me. If I was going to do a broken friendship, that it not be an easy solve. So I guess I made it really hard on myself. <laughs> 
for as I was writing. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it this was a difficult relationship to fix. I loved it. And I, I really loved Lauren. I loved how you, I had never seen this before, really, but like her being a widow really, or like it became her identity. Like mm-hmm. people knew her order because, yes. you know, that's what he used to order. And it's like, wow, you don't think about that. But I'm and sure so like young. that is so true. You know, yeah, it yeah. She's she's so, so young, young and it became her identity. And she's like, I'm so much more than this. Yeah. She's like, I'm not 85 years old and have lost my husband of 60 years. Like I am, you know, she's still in her twenties and, um, and she lives in this small town and she's the librarian and everyone knows and loves her, but they all know and love her and try to almost, not necessarily patronize, patronize, but like almost pamper her because, oh, poor Lauren. And she was so yeah. over that and so ready for that, for them to see her as a real person. Yeah, I loved it because uh, I think of like when someone dies young, like they just kind of are like this person frozen in time. And then when they have like a when they were in a relationship or the relationship was ending, whatever, like when they die, like it it is kind of hard to look at that person and imagine them moving on. Mm -hmm. You just think oh, you always think of like, oh, she was the person with so and so when he died, you know, and you don't think about that person eventually wants to move on with life. So I just I love that you wrote that in there. I was like, oh, man, you don't see this a lot. (laughs) Well, part of the problem was that he was so beloved. And so with him gone, like people didn't want his memory to be gone. So they put Mm -hmm. that on Lauren. And she's like, F that I am moving on. And I really, (laughs) I really had a lot of fun with that, showing that she has a backbone because she is much softer than Alice, almost the opposite of Alice. Yeah, another so, realistic, like very real part of Lauren is she is a librarian and she's losing her job. I, I was know. like, oh gosh, <laughs> this this sucks, but this is so true, like all across America. <laughs> yeah. Like. Why aren't people reading? Why aren't people keeping libraries alive? That's yes. another whole that's another whole podcast. <laughs> that's a whole rant. <laughs> what are what are you enjoying about writing the Sunrise Cove series? Well, first of all, it's the first time I've written or set a series where I live. I live in Tahoe. So that was something I've been thinking about doing for a very long time. But I was in Wildstone for a couple of years, which I loved writing. And I hope to go back to Wildstone series. All of these Sunrise Cove and Wildstone are all, they're connected by setting, not by characters. So people can read these books in any order. I think that was one of the things that was most important to me starting this Tahoe series, knowing that I have at least eight books coming in the series. The fourth one is um, out this June, uh, The Sweetheart List. And so it was really important to me that people don't get to three, like this one, The Backup Planner, four, The Sweetheart List, and say, I didn't read book one and two. I don't want to pick up book three or four. But you can because they're not connected by characters. So I really enjoyed that about Sunrise Cove. And I enjoy that it's where I live. Mm -hmm. When did that shift for you? Like at what point as you know, someone who's written these very, like very beloved series, like Heartbreaker Bay, Animal Magnetism. When did it shift for you? Like, when did you think like, I want to write a series, but I don't want them to be connected? I miss, I should say this. I really do miss writing connected books. I loved writing Lucky Harbor was connected. I love Lucky Harbor. Thank you, me too. I would love to go back. I never closed it up. I can go back to all these series, but I think sometimes, some Something happened when I started the Wildstone series and my publisher asked me to consider 
writing a series that weren't connected by characters so that readers didn't get confused at book seven or eight, for instance. So I did that with Wildstone and I kind of liked it because it, it gives me a bigger book. It gives me more stories to tell in each individual book. But what I miss is that connection from book to book. So I'm thinking that maybe after Sunrise Cove, I'll do another connected series. I think I'd like to go back and forth. Okay. Ooh. I should take a poll. <laughs> I should take a poll on online and ask people what they like best. I would be interested to see because I mean, obviously, I love the connected series. You love seeing the friend groups. I you mm-hmm. just love seeing the found family, the community. But there's something really special about also just like the setting being the character that connects everything. And that's definitely. It. And I love having the setting be a character. But what I also love, if I'm being honest, and I'm talking about the standalones now, is that you don't have to redeem everybody because they're not sequel bait so that I can have people that maybe don't deserve their own story, but they deserve a place in this book. And I won't get people asking, when is this guy's story? And an interesting thing is when I wrote Lucky Harbor, there was um, a character named Anderson and he ran the hardware store and he in town and he was not that good of a guy, but he's the only guy that I never gave a story to. I never intended him to have a story, but I still get letters asking <laughs> when is Anderson's story coming? I'm like, are you kidding me? He was an asshole. If I could say asshole, I'm sorry. Yeah, you can. Can. It's almost <laughs> like people are like, you left someone out, Jill. And you're like, uh, I, intentionally? I, I, Yes, intention. So I mean, I never get that in these bigger books, because I I think I they're all complete within this book. Yeah, yeah. Everything's sewed up. Everything is sewed Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't sewed up, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have to do the poll. And I I can't wait to see. I'll do that. I'll do that this week. Okay, so tell us about the next book in the series. Okay, so the next book is um, June's The Sweetheart List. And the setup, the premise is this young woman is working in LA as a baker and she's she's underneath like a tyrant boss. She kind of hates her life. Things aren't going well and her personal life's not going well. Her work life isn't going well. And she decides to go back to the last place that she had joy. So that was when she was 12 years old and her mom took her one summer to Tahoe. So we opened the book with her packing her shit up and driving without much of a plan to Tahoe to find the last place, to find her joy, because that was the last place she saw. Mm -hmm. So she ends up leasing a building and opening her own bakery. Oh my gosh. So there's a lot of ups and downs for her, but I think she finds her joy. I think it's safe to tell you that she finds her joy. I need to see the cover of this book and I love a bakery. So I know, me too. Oh my gosh. And she's right next to a bookstore on one side and then there's a bar on the other side. And um, I don't want to give any more away, but I will say this, that I was hungry a lot during this book. So you might be too. <laughs> Anyways, the cover is coming soon. I should have it this week, next week for sure. I and love the title, it. The Sweetheart List. It Thank sounds you. adorable. Yeah, and the cover is really cute too. I've only seen a rough draft of it. <clears throat> so you mentioned earlier you were working on a book. Was it that one or are you are you currently working on what I'm comes after it? I'm working on the next one. And that okay. one is called The Bright Spot. Oh and that will be God. January, a year from now. Yeah. And it's almost finished. Um, I don't know what to say about this book, except for it's probably my favorite book I've ever written. Are you serious? Yes. I don't even, <laughs> I mean, I I don't even know how to start because I don't have an elevator pitch for it yet. But let's just say that there's a lot of um, heart and humor and heat. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. 
we'll talk about, you know, if we talk again in June, then I'll be able to tell you more. <laughs> we will definitely talk again in June. Please, okay. we have to talk in June. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, tell everybody where they can keep up with you online. Well, you mentioned my newsletter list. If you go to jillshavis.com, at the top of every page on the right, there's a place to sign up for my newsletter. You can also see me on Instagram where I post a lot of pictures of my snow and my silly animals and my adorable grandchildren um, and Facebook. So that's about it for right now. I'm trying to get the hang of TikTok. I, I haven't yet, but when I do... Oh, it's going to be such a good time. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait for you on TikTok. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that might be interesting. (laughs) 